The following is a reading from the Pale Audiobook Project. Please support the original author at palewebserial.wordpress.com or patreon.com backslash wildbow. Arc 1. Lost for Words. Chapter 7. Low-quality shoes squeaked on the gymnasium floor as other kids ran, stopped, changed direction. Avery twisted, running through a gap between Melissa and Alexa as they tried to block her. She was faster, she could run for longer. All she had to do was break through, force them to run after, and tire them out. Thirty minutes into the game, they were already walking half the time and half-heartedly running the other half. There were three basketballs bouncing intermittently, which made it hard for her to train her ears and use her situational awareness. On the other half of the gym, the boys were playing. Wallace was sitting out, which he did a lot of the time. She didn't know how his phys ed marks were, or if there was a reason, but for right now, her main concern was that he was killing time while sitting on the bench dribbling a basketball. Periodically, he'd do something wrong and have to chase it a few steps. It meant she had to use her eyes and twist around more to keep track of the ball, so the auditory illusion of the other balls bouncing didn't communicate something else. Ave! Lucy called out. Lucy's pass went high. Avery caught it, then took off immediately. She realized she was surrounded by three players. They converged on her as a line, trying to force her off the court or force a retreat back towards her own hoop. Frustrating, but not in a bad way. Avery's eyes opened wider, her pupils narrowed, and the real world peeled away. The floor was shrouded in the faintest of mists, and the unimportant details flaked away like peeling paint in a high wind. And it was just her, people in the field, and a court of handprints and footprints. A mess of the bands around her, all strung between players and between herself, and others. The ones from herself were harder to see. Pam! She called out. She saw one of the bands stir. Using it as a guide for general direction, without really looking, she spiked the ball into the ground, halfway between Melissa and Alexa. It carried on, straight towards Pam. Ah! Scared me! She heard Pam. Caught the other team off guard, too. Melissa and Alexa were distracted by the pass. Emerson was in her way. She squeezed past. Pass to Avery, Lucy called out. Rona was out there. That band seemed familiar, stronger, and clearer. Rona was on the other team, but she'd be closing in on Pam. But Haley was closing in on Pam too. Haley could actually steal balls in a way that didn't suck. Pass, Lucy called out. The remaining three girls changed direction, converging on Avery. Avery saw the movements and reactions. The bands that stretched between things rippling as a single action made each one change, bend, and adjust. One tenuous band connected to the ball, a wisp of something that could be mistaken for a long, dark cobweb in this gymnasium. Though the ground was misty, and the air above the mist was thick with dust and flecks of paint. She was ready as the ball came at her, and caught it. Emerson, right behind her. And she was close to the hoop. She made the easy shot, a layup off the backboard. Even though it was an easy shot, there was still a moment where she thought it would be a miss. She wondered if she could say something and influence the outcome. She kept her mouth shut, eyes wide, breathing hard through her nose. It tilted and went in. God damn it, Emerson complained. Language, the gym teacher barked. I think it's time to rotate. Avery, Pamela, let's see. Me, Verona called out. You can stay out there a bit longer. I want to see you trying more. That goes for the rest of you whose names I don't call. Melissa bent over, 
hands on her knees, raised one of her hands over her head. She was panting for breath. Melissa, Alexa, lose the jersey, switch team. The four players on the bench, Mia included, got up, jogging out to the court. Avery turned sideways to navigate between them, giving Verona a nod as she walked by. Cheating? Verona asked. Her eyes flashed that weird, almost purple color. How do you even cheat at basketball? Melissa complained, undoing the band that tied up her hair in a ponytail. Her hair had been crimped, and it was tied back into a high ponytail that still touched her shoulder blades. With the ponytail undone, it came closer to the middle of her back. She practices that stuff for fun. It's ridiculous, and I'm calling it cheating, Verona said. Avery shook her head. The way the gym was set up, the two courts were set up so they could be separated by a divider. There were benches arranged. Right now, the boys sat on the bench so that their backs were to the girls as they took their seats. Some boys twisted around to look or to watch the girls play. That fact reminded Avery that she had gotten those likes. It reminded her that her own likes had gone unanswered, that she was alone. Today was going to suck. It might even suck more than yesterday. Yesterday, last night, was the day that they got ambushed by John Stiles. It sucked. It really sucked. It confirmed what she'd suspected and feared, and she really wanted to talk to Miss Hardy about it at some point during lunch or after school. But Verona and Lucy wanted to do something at lunch, and she couldn't really talk about the app with Miss Hardy without getting some people in trouble. Adults went nuclear about the dumbest things. She sat at the end of the bench, Pamela seated herself beside Avery. The thrill of that fact blurred into the fact that her heart was still racing from running around. The whiplash of thinking today would suck, thinking today might not suck, to being very aware that Pamela radiated body heat and was right next to her, to the half-thought internal debate that Pamela might have sat next to her on purpose. Was it just because Pamela was nice? Had there been empty seats on the bench before Pamela sat down? Her sight was more far-sighted than not, which was a pain, because she really would have liked to see and to study the band that stretched between her and Pamela. She leaned forward, elbows on her knees, to put Pamela out of her peripheral vision and to try to find an equilibrium when her number two crush was sitting next to her. You're good, Pamela said, huffing for breath. Thank you, Avery said. Her eyes closed as she focused on breathing and sounding normal. She wasn't really sure how to answer, but hearing Pamela say something nice about her was so, so nice. She felt a bit dizzy from it. I'd be better if I could get the ball through the hoop or run full speed while dribbling. Haley's way better than I am. Haley plays basketball regularly, Melissa said from further down the bench. You're really good considering it's not your sport. I'm, Avery responded. Couldn't find the words or the breath and just shook her head, eyes on the ground. She looked up to the side, further down the bench, and saw Pamela looking at her, making eye contact with her. Surrounded by a nimbus of the bands connected to her and the others, Avery's eyes dropped to the floor again. It was criminal that Pamela hadn't gotten more votes with the stupid app. When Avery had come to this school because Sheridan was already going, Carrie wanted to come because her friends were attending first grade. Avery had thought it would be cool that she would meet new people. It would be a distraction from Olivia abandoning her to go play with her Swanson. Then it had been worse. It had been distilled loneliness. One of the things that had kept her going had been this girl who really lit up the room who gave out compliments and said positive things more often than most girls in the class smiled. 
who never had a mean thing to say about anyone. Just seeing her around gave Avery something to look forward to. Avery couldn't understand how girls could talk about boys like dimples and hair were what mattered. She had the feeling boys were the same or worse. Why would anyone want to go out with someone and spend time with someone just to look at them more? When they could spend time all the rest of their lives with someone who made the days brighter. It wasn't even that Pamela was unattractive. Avery had heard Pamela saying something self-deprecating in class once about how she was fat and how clothes didn't sit right. And that had been back when Avery had opened her mouth in class for a week, when she'd wanted so badly to say something to Pamela, to convince her that, no, she was cute. She was curvy. That she loved the way that she changed her hair color up every couple of weeks. And that she liked her body more than, more than just about anything. Avery had thought that she might be gay or bi before that, but after her thought process, she had been about 95 to 100% sure about a lot of things. Her interactions with Miss Hardy had turned that sure to certain. She wished so badly she could say a lot of things to Pamela. So this girl that didn't even know she'd helped Avery through the worst time of her life could shake off some of her demons. Avery had mostly caught her breath now. She glanced up, saw Pamela was looking at her again, and made her eyes slide to the side to look at Melissa and Alexa who were talking. On the bench behind her, Gabe sat with some of the other boys. They were crammed in. Kind of. More boys in the class, more boys on the bench. Hey, Avery, Pamela said. There was a rising note at the end, like maybe Pamela wasn't 100% sure of Avery's name. That wasn't super uncommon. What's up? Avery asked. Did I look at her too much? She kept passing to me. Pamela spoke the words with a breathless laugh. Scared me. Sorry, Avery said. She made herself look away. She watched Lucy cut Elena off. Verona was hanging back, occupying space on the court where there weren't many players. She wasn't trying very hard, so Avery's team wasn't trying very hard to cover her. Uh, you were there. Verona caught a pass and passed back to the next player almost immediately, not really paying much attention to the flow of the game so much as she was avoiding doing much. I don't mind. I was just surprised. You're a good player. I kind of thought you'd ignore crappy players like me. You catch the ball. You pass it. That's most of the game, isn't it? Avery asked. Pamela smiled, and Avery experienced a deer in the headlights moment, hyper aware of the fact that looking away would be way too obvious and staring would be weird and... She settled on answering smile before a shout from the coach rescued her. Lucy, stop being aggressive. I haven't touched anyone. I'm not breaking the rules. Stop being aggressive or you can spend a lunch hour with me. The boys were causing a commotion, some shouting and talking over one another. In the staff room, talking about bullying and ways to conduct yourself with classmates. What's going on over here? Brian got fouled, Xavier complained. Blatantly. He stopped dead in his tracks right in front of me, Logan retorted. And the gym teacher had it seen. Enough. There's a few minutes left of class. I want Logan and Brayden to run laps around the gym's edge. Quick, now. But Now, and anyone who complains or mentions it again is running laps as well. Go. Back to the game. Ian, Brian, off the bench. There were a chorus of complaints. Avery watched the room, saw the girls taking notice of the things with the boys, and with her sight, she could see the variations in the bands that connected them. She noticed the parts of the app 
where the girls and the boys had gotten mutual likes, and now that she knew which girls to look at, she could see the differences in those connections. It made her acutely aware of how few connections she had. Lucy, Verona, and then tethers extending elsewhere, for various members of her family, the bands that stretched from the boys' side of the gym and reached back to her, thinning out as they got closer to her, until ragged ends barely brushed against her back. Sucked. Really sucked. Lucy had mostly given up on playing for the most part. Could she even risk detention if she had said stuff earlier about her plans for lunch? That was something they'd have to be careful of. Lucy had to feel at least as bad. The ties that connected Lucy to her classmates seemed stronger or older, maybe. They'd been classmates for a long time. They'd known each other, but there wasn't a lot else. Verona, positioning on the court, put her close to the bench. She got Avery's attention and then indicated Gabe, who was sitting behind Avery. Avery twisted around, looked at Gabe, and then back at Verona, giving her friend a shrug and a look of confusion. Verona gestured, motioning for her to say or do something. I can't read your mind. Move along, Verona, the gym teacher barked. Avery felt multiple eyes on her and flushed. One set of eyes was Pamela, who mouthed Gabe's name. Avery shook her head, shrugging. So dumb. It felt like everything she did was making her feel blatant or creating misunderstandings. How many times had she passed the ball to Pamela? She'd been in the zone. And then the weird eye contact when she looked Pamela's way. Now Verona was so stuck on the other stuff that she was putting the spotlight on Avery. Sucked. So frustrating. She was aware of the glances she got, connections that radiate out from her to connect to her classmates seemed more intense than they had been at the start of the match. And there was only one connection she really cared about. If she looked, really focusing her eyes, she could sort of see the band that extended between her and Pamela. It wasn't like it was with any of the mutual ones. And that stung. But each band had translucent images or cutouts in them, like a row of pictures. She wanted to interpret, to make them out, and to find out if there was anything useful in that. But they shifted every time her eyes moved, like dust on the surface of her eye. More than anything, the texture and consistency of the band was a reminder that this awesome, warm, likable girl didn't like her. She shut off her sight, pressing her eyes closed. Opening her eyes again, she saw the world as she would normally. Wood-covered tracks marked from cheap sneakers skiddy on it, and a tether in the corner of her eye. Mist. Handprints. Some bloody. She rubbed at it with her thumb, and it didn't correct. She rubbed harder, using the heel of her hand. What's wrong? Pamela asked. Um, Avery tried to will it away again, then rubbed harder, a little panicky now. She didn't want to turn on her sight and turn it off again, if that could be the next step in things getting weirder or worse. But she didn't know what else to do. Mr. Batter? Pamela said. What's wrong? My eye, Avery said quietly, it's weird. The boys in the background were making another commotion, hooting and jeering and being loud. Do you need the school nurse? The school nurse couldn't do anything. Just, can I go to the bathroom? Go. She stood and Pamela stood with her, one hand on her back, one hand on her arm to steady her and give her direction. In any other circumstance, it would have been so nice having Pamela to be nice to her in specific. But right now, she just wanted her eye back to working like it was supposed to. What did she do wrong? 
Was it a lie she told before that made something break? If it was, was it broken forever? She was aware of Verona and Lucy giving her concerned looks. In one corner of Avery's eye, where her sight was stuck, she saw Verona's eyes purple again, and Lucy's as red, where they should be white. Pamela, if her eye's still bothering her, take her straight to the nurse. Okay. I'll be right with you. Okay, guys and girls, we'll end a minute early. Balls in the bins. Take your jerseys off and into the laundry. Then change and shower. Emphasis on shower. Your afternoon teachers will kill me if you're sitting there all afternoon reeking of B.O. She and Pamela left the school gym and in the short L-shaped corridor with the bathrooms and the changing rooms, took a detour into the bathrooms. She reached for the taps, turning them on. She splashed her eye, trying to get as much water in it as she could. Are you okay? Pamela asked. Her hand rubbed Avery's back. I, I, I don't know. A little freaked, Avery admitted. Can you describe it? I don't know. Was it better? She couldn't tell. With the way the water stuck to her eyelashes. I know sometimes my eye will get this muscle twitch and it freaked me out when it first happened. Is it like that? No, it's, it's blurry and misty and intense. Stuck that way no matter what I do. Maybe a retinal detachment? That happened to my mom once. She had a dark blot in the middle of her vision for a while. I think you have to get immediate help if that happens. No, it's not. Avery stopped and focused on just washing her eye. There is a commotion as the rest of the class left the gymnasium, heading to the changing rooms. Avery, how is it? Mr. Batter called through the door. It was cracked open, and she could see a bit of his shoulder in shorts as he stood there with his back to the door. Better, I think, Avery said quietly before washing her eye again. She says it's better, Pamela said, moving away from Avery, so she stood halfway to the door. Are you positive? Avery watched for a second, holding up one finger for Pamela. One second, Pamela said. She's rinsing. Okay. The door opened, and Verona and Lucy came in. They went straight to her side. Do you want me to stick around? Pamela asked. Yes. Because if you want, I'll stick around for whatever you need. I've got a lunch date with my dad, but I can postpone or cancel. I think we've got it, Verona said. It's fine, Avery said. Go to your lunch with your dad. Thank you. Really. Can I get an update? Mr. Batter called as Pamela exited. I think it's Avery tested her vision. It was normal now. It's better. All right. Come find me if you need me. I can take you to the nurse's office if you decide it's not better enough. Thank you, Mr. Batter. Lucy, Verona, don't forget to change and shower. Avery, same thing when you can. The door closed. Dick, Lucy muttered. I think he's nice, Avery said. Who would forget to change, Verona asked. And what happened? My sight got stuck in one part of my eye. Is it better? I said it's better. Were you looking at anything specific, Lucy asked. No. Nothing special. Weird. I think that's all the more reason to talk to Miss right away. Let's, Avery said. You good? Verona asked. I hope so. The three of them left the bathroom and entered the girls' changing room. Avery brought her hand to her eye to shield part of her view, with the excuse it was still awkward. Her eyes dropping to the floor, she'd navigate through the girls of her class, not looking at anyone or anything, to where her bag was hung up on a hook. She felt too many eyes on her, especially after her little commotion a few minutes ago. 
Grabbing her bag, she slung it over one shoulder and slipped back out, heading back to the bathrooms. She went into the toilet stall and did her change of clothes there, stepping on the tops of her shoes to avoid stepping on the bathroom floor. Her lunch usually had napkins or wet wipes, and she was grateful that there was wet wipes in hers. She fished the Ziploc wipes out of her brown paper bag and then wiped herself down before getting back into her regular clothes. The feeling of having something wrong with her eye and knowing there was no doctor, no greater support structure, it had shaken her, like being alone as she had been back in winter at the start of the year. Combined with being the odd one out, no pairing in the app, knowing from the sight that Pamela didn't return her feelings, and then the change room, the showers, feeling like she was one wrong look away from being found out, she'd never felt so out of place. She ran a comb through her hair. Maya, hair still wet, stepped into the bathroom, walking up to a sink, two sinks down from Avery. She got out a makeup kit and began fixing up her face. How's your eye? Mia asked as she put on mascara. It's okay now. I think, I wish I knew what happened. Spook. Hope it's one thing at a time. So do I. There was silence. Avery could hear the commotion of the boys in the L-shaped hallway too numerous to have all showered. Not that she was in a position to point fingers, but she had done something. Avery didn't really have anything to do at the mirror, but didn't really want to go out there into the middle of all that. Are you the lesbian? Mia asked. Avery didn't move a muscle. From the app? Mia asked. Uh, what? Avery asked. Mia turned her head. The little pad of foundation held up an inch from her cheek. My friends were wondering aloud who it could be. I thought maybe it was you, and I don't want to be a jerk or anything, so don't feel like you have to respond. Awkward, Avery said quiet. She kind of wished she was in a position to draw a connection-breaking diagram right now and keep it up forever. Just get away from this. Mia resumed putting on her makeup. Yeah, like, there's this girl at the dance studio, 17, I think, and she's great. Great dancer, does aero gymnastics, aero dance. She's gay, and like, nobody cares. So if you were gay and you were avoiding the showers because of that, I wouldn't worry about it. You don't have to make up eye problems. It wasn't made up, Avery said. She looked at Mia. Mia winced. Ew. Yeah, bloodshot. Yeah, Avery said. Probably from me rubbing it too hard. I hope that people are cool if the lesbian in class comes out. I know if anyone talks shit, me and my friends will give them a hard time, not her. Same goes for the boys. Makes sense. That's good of you. Mia smiled at her before packing up her makeup stuff. You're cool, Avery. There's next to nothing to do in this town, so we're throwing parties sometimes. If you want to be in the loop, just ask. I can fill you in whenever we're planning the stage. Standing invite. Oh, thank you. Sorry, I'm still freaked about the eye thing. Not really processing everything. Nah, that's cool, but like, give me an objective opinion. When my friends are wondering aloud about lesbian in our class, should I try to throw them off the trail? I don't know, Avery said. I'm not like... She stopped. Mia looked at her. Not really trying to hide it, she said quiet. She stared at her eye, half bloodshot in the mirror. Not broadcasting either. Don't want to get back into my family, kinda. My siblings are a pain sometimes, and my grumble, my grandfather. 
best case scenario is he'd worry and fuss and I don't want him to worry and fuss. What's the worst case scenario? Avery shrugged. Sorry, do your friends know? Yeah. I'm glad you've got them then. And if you need anything, ask whenever. The door opened and Avery jumped a little, despite herself. Melissa went straight to one of the stalls, closing the door. Standing invite, Nia said, picking her stuff up. Standing invite to what? Melissa asked from the stall. To parties or whatever we're doing, Nia said. Oh, I thought you were asking to come to the dance studio, Melissa said through the door. Avery rolled her eyes a little. Mia gave a small wave and then stepped out of the hallway. Mia, who was so adult-like sometimes, so together that she made Avery feel twice as much as a kid. Thing is, Avery thought as she got her bag together, making sure her lunch didn't empty out in her bag since she had opened it to get the wet wipes out. I don't want to be the lesbian. She felt more alone and out of place than before she had got Mia's overture of friendship and support. Feeling awkward, she left the bathroom. The boys were lined up at one side of the hallway, the girls at the other. Avery glanced at Mia, who was talking to Haley. She had a niggling worry that Mia would be talking to a cluster of the dancers laughing at her. She wasn't. Mr. Batter did his thing where he touched everyone's heads, counting the students. Did you wash that, Jeremy? Looks like you wet it under the tap. I washed it. My hair dries fast, Jeremy said, looking innocent. The moment Mr. Batter was passed, he smirked and shook his head no. Mr. Batter moved on, counting the girls. Avery felt him touch her dry hair. How's the eye? Still good? It's better. Good. I don't want to see you skipping any more showers. Yes, sir. He moved on, counting Verona and Lucy. Did you wash your hair, Lucy? I don't wash it at school. You need to at least run it underwater. No, I don't. Excuse me? The bell rang. The assembled students immediately broke rank, some almost running into their haste to get to lunch. Avery took Lucy's hand and tugged it along as they fled Mr. Batter. Dick, Lucy muttered. Were you actually being aggressive back in class? Avery asked. I was distracted. Yeah, kinda, Lucy answered. Haley's really good, but it's easy to put her off her game. Get in her way a little, get in her face. I wasn't touching her or breaking any rules, though. Mr. Batter's still a dick. You said that like three times, Verona said. Curse? Didn't nail it in. Gotta drive the point home. Too bad, Verona said. Most of the kids were heading to the lunch hall, but there were those who made some rather tight trips to the fast food places, especially the teenagers. There's a 20-minute walk there and a 20-minute walk back. And if they only had 50 minutes for lunch, those with bikes or cars could usually make it. For those others, there was a risk the line would be too long, forcing them to choose between going hungry or being back late. Avery, Lucy, and Verona left the school. As they passed the parking lot, Lucy made a hard detour. Luce? I see someone. I was talking to Gabe after changing, Verona said. We weren't sure where you went. I thought I'd ask him about the flyer. Wish you hadn't, Lucy said. Also, I asked Caroline since she was next to me in line. Gabe can read the letters and Caroline couldn't. I think it depends on who reads it. Good to know, Lucy said. Where are we going? I thought we'd ask Misk about the eye stuff. Soon, Lucy said. Shh. They approached some teenagers who were gathering around a car, getting ready to drive off. They looked like 11th or 12th graders. Excuse me, Lucy said. No rides. Lucy reached for Verona, opened the back flap of her backpack, and pulled out the flyer, folded into another piece of paper. One of the teenagers, a dark-haired girl with sunglasses on, pushed her way past the others, reaching for Lucy. Lucy backed away. Oh, back off. 
When she couldn't get a grip on Lucy's wrist, the teenager grabbed Lucy's shoulder and tugged her away from the car. Avery and Verona followed, anxious, Verona reaching back to close up her bag as she jogged to keep up. The teenage girl grabbed the flyer and unfolded it. A second later, she grabbed Lucy's wrist, pushing up Lucy's sleeve. If Lucy was going to fight back, she seemed to hesitate. The hand that gripped her hand only had a thumb, an index finger, and a middle finger. The rest was smooth skin all over bumpy tissue. A moment later, the teenager turned on Verona, who backed away a step, pushing up her own sleeve to show her arm. I'm keeping this, the teenager said, holding up the flyer. We'll need it back, actually, Lucy said, and we have questions. Leave it be. Ignore it. Verona lunged, her hand moved a bit, grabbing at nothing before the paper partially unfolded on its own. She managed to snag the corner of it and pluck it out of the teenager's hand. Avery blocked, stepping in the way before the teenager could follow up. The teenager's friends were just standing back watching. Avery really wished she could just trust her sight, just to get a better sense of what was going on. Show us your arm, Lucy asked, indicating the teenager's long sleeve. No, you need to let this go, walk away from it, don't have anything to do with it. Full moon tonight? Verona asked. Kenneth, what does that mean? You're not listening to me. We hear you. As of right now, we're not planning on participating, but we need answers. There are more like you in our school alone. I know one of them. Listen to me. Don't visit the website. Don't reserve. Don't get involved. Full moon and Kenneth? Verona asked, stepping forward. I'm not answering your questions. I'm doing you a favor, and I'm telling you to leave this alone. It's bad. Full moon and Kenneth? Verona asked again, reaching out to grab the teenager's sleeve. The teenager jerked back hesitated, relented. It's better to go there than to make them come get you. The moon's the date, the place is the location. The teenager wrenched her sleeve out of Verona's grip and pushed it up. There were four circles there, one white, one with a crescent in it, the rest filled in black, one half filled in with black, and one with a dark crescent in it. One for each phase of the moon? Verona asked. I'm halfway through, people turn up, Different counts. Haven't seen anyone make it through all eight nights. The guy in the driver's seat honked. What happens? Verona asked. It's on the website. Website's blocked for all three of us, Verona said. Great. Fantastic, teenager said. Never heard of that happening, but I'm glad. It means you're not in. Leave it alone. I'm not an awful enough person to give you the ropes to hang yourself on. Okay? I'm not telling you anymore. But, Verona started. Listen, the teenager hissed. Leaning in close, her voice became a harsh whisper. I'll probably won't last the full eight rounds, so do me a favor. Unless I get crazy lucky, I've got a bit over two weeks left, max. It could be done today and tomorrow on my last days. I can spend with my friends and my family. Let me enjoy them without being bothered. You really believe you won't make it, Lucy said. I've seen people better than I am in every way fail teenager told them in a harsh whisper. She stood straight, then began to retreat back towards the car with her friends in it. She moved with a bit of a limp, Avery noted. At a normal volume, she said, better than you, so don't even try it. Tell yourself it's a bad prank. She slammed the car door after her. Avery watched the girl field questions from her friends. She's missing an eye, Verona said. What? Avery asked. She's missing two fingers. You probably noticed that, but behind the sunglasses, She's missing an eye. I think she's missing an ear. The skin's smooth like it's been gone for a while. She walked with a limp, Avery said. Yep, Lucy said. You shouldn't be using your sight, Verona. Not until we know what happened to Avery. Verona shrugged. 
How do you know it's a full moon in Kennet? Lucy asked. Did Gabe say so? Nah. Nah, Lucy echoed. You're just annoyingly good at stuff that doesn't usually matter, which makes you weirdly good at all of this. Yeah, Verona said. Avery shifted her weight from foot to foot. Um, can we go talk to Miss? Avery asked. Please? Yeah, Lucy said. Sorry. It was just... They were right there. I don't mind, but I'm really ready for some answers now. Avery ate her lunch as she walked. The sandwich was chicken from last night, shredded with dad's barbecue sauce. Some greens and a really dark whole wheat bread. She couldn't help but feel like any one ingredient could be changed out for something similar, and it would make the sandwich ten times as good. With the way every single kid at school kind of fanned out, especially as they finished eating, it was hard to find a place secluded enough. They settled on the trees at the edge of the grounds that the school technically owned. There were a lot of small trees nearby that probably had grown naturally from saplings that could stand to be cleared out. Miss, Verona called. Miss, Lucy called. Oh, we're doing it like that. Avery choked out a bite of her sandwich. Try. Miss! There was a rustle with no wind. No music, no sounds or lights. I am here. Avery turned, looking. She wanted to use the sight, but she was scared. Miss stood there by the tree, only the edge of her body visible. When she looked out towards the rest of Kennet, the wind picked up and it made her hair move. She was wearing what might have been a long pleated skirt and a long sleeve shirt. Lucy paced left and Verona paced right, trying to get a better look. What's happening in Kennet? Avery asked. Miss stepped out of sight behind the trees as Avery's friends got to the point where one of them would be able to see her. A lot of things are happening in Kennet, Miss said from the edge of another tree. Avery's friends stopped in their tracks and stopped trying to intercept her. I'm seeing bloody handprints and they're only really in Kennet. Lucy's seeing bloodstains and swords all over the place. Verona sees everything in wrappings, like really wrinkled plastics or spider webs, flayed meaty things on the other side. A kingdom without a king will be in turmoil. Even if it is peaceful in the area and people are content, there is a tension and an omnipresent anxiety that is only eased when the next someone takes the throne. A region without its carmine beasts is similar. But more focused on blood and violence? Lucy asked. Aggression? More focused, yes. It'll be worse before it gets better. What happens when it gets worse? Avery asked. Others of that type emerge naturally and will emerge more often, or find their ways here from other places, or from other regions. They will tend to be violent, messy others. Many will be fleeing or desperate. Carmine Beast, just by being in position, she encouraged a system where others more in line with her disposition will appear and find stability. When something else takes the seat, it will do the same. Depending on who and what it is, nearly anything taking the seat will be better than what is presently happening. Even the Hungry Choir? Verona asked. The Hungry Choir is strong, but it is defined by its ability and desire to sustain itself, more than most living rituals. It has to know it wouldn't hold the seat long before being spent or being challenged and beaten by something else. So it has the means, but not the motive, Lucy asked. It is, by all reports, doing remarkably well for a living ritual of its size. It doesn't get anything, as far as I can tell, 
from harming the carving beast. Is that a bad thing? Avery asked beside her. Verona was digging in a pocket. The flyer. Some of us have exerted influence to disarm it, to discourage some people from finding the ritual. It is large enough of a phenomenon that any slack we create here will be picked up by someone halfway across Ontario. We want to talk to it, Lucy said. It doesn't talk. How do we communicate with it? Talk to the people who are caught up in it. Put the pieces together. Living rituals tend to build up a mythology. Like plants setting out roots, the anchor in this world, give it ground by which it can spring up later. At the cost of giving it more information? Verna asked. Yes, more information on how it can be riddled out or beat. You call it a living ritual, but Matthew Moss called it a ritual incarnate, Lucy said, a bit accusatory. I'm sure that's more accurate. This stuff, Avery said. That's throwing everything off. Is it responsible for my sight acting strange? What happened? You don't know? Lucy asked. I don't. My sight wouldn't go away. It stayed in one part of my eye. My theory is that it's like straining a muscle, Lucy added. Have you been using it a great deal? Miss asked. Avery shrugged and nodded. The part of you that connects to the sight isn't physical. It is yourself, your soul, your you. The complex spirit or fingerprints that make up all the parts of you that are distinct and unique, when put together as a whole, it adheres to a pattern, adjusting, adapting, by scales that have nothing to do with muscles or physical health. What happened? Avery asked. It adjusted. As spirits do, your spirit worked off underlying patterns and assumptions. That you were someone who always used the site, so you always wanted the site available. There are many practitioners who do this on purpose, refining their site so that it is something they can always have available for specific purposes and keep their vision clear for other things. So, uh, how do I tell myself not to do that? Avery asked. That might be something that Charles can help you better with than I can. Intuitively, it makes sense that if you don't want it on most of the time, don't use it most of the time. Are there any other ways? Lucy asked. You could make the pattern more elaborate, so that it was harder to fall onto by unconscious habit. Saying a particular word or wearing your mask or a pair of glasses when you have the sight available. Does this happen with other things? Avery asked. Absolutely. Use a part of a particular tool or practice might wear down a path. That path becomes a requirement, then becomes something inexorably tied to you. I wouldn't panic. Nothing that is done this sort of way is likely to be impossible to undo. It might be very hard to undo, but not impossible. I feel like there should be a rule book or handbook for this, Lucy said. There is. They call it essentials, and many novice practitioners who are born into families that teach the practice tend to get it before they unwaken. Unfortunately, we are not practitioners, and we are not in a position to give you one. I asked around, and Charles had given away his copy. Matthew didn't keep his after his father died. You know they told us stories? Avery said. Yes. Are you having us watched? Lucy asked. Yes. Part of the reason is for your protection. Any other part of the reason? Lucy asked. 
I declined to say. That's a bad look, miss, Verona said. I know. I'll be blunt here. Do you have anything to do with the Carmine Beast's death or disappearance? Lucy asked. Not to the best of my knowledge. Is your knowledge potentially warped or tainted? Verona asked. I have no reason to believe it is. Do you know or suspect who is responsible? Lucy asked. I have strong suspicions. Avery gave Lucy and Verona nervous looks. Who do you suspect? Lucy asked. I declined to say. Why? Calm down, Avery said. Why? Lucy asked again. Because the moment I do, the guilty party or parties are likely to know. Two events are likely to move us to the next phase. The first is that I tell you. You get too close or an outside practitioner acts. And the guilty party hurries to claim the seat. The second ties into what I told you earlier. If the fleeting dark, violent, and bloody others keep escalating and drawing near, the Carmine Beast's kin may force someone to take the seat. My guess is that they would pick John. What happens then? The Alabaster, Sable, and Arum would pick the Dog of War, John Stiles. Someone else would step in while bearing the power they took from killing the Carmine Beast. They would irrevocably destroy John. Then they would take the seat instead. That sounds almost inevitable, Verona said. It may be. You're under no obligation to solve this mystery. This may be a puzzle best left unsolved. I can't and won't tell you to solve or not to solve it. Trust your collective instincts. You shouldn't be blamed for the outcome, not by us, no matter the outcome. John and the choir, they're the candidates, right? Verona asked. They are the top contenders I know of. And they're both from Kennet? But John said the region the Carmine Beast covered was all of Northern Ontario and some of Manitoba. Yes. That's weird, isn't it? That the Carmine Beast dies here and the two major candidates are from here? Certain regions are disqualified because they are already under the power or sway of lords or other practitioners. Thunder Bay, for example, is managed by an elemental. Perhaps that elemental is violent and powerful enough to rule, but is beholden to others' interests and roles. Other areas are too messy, too untouched by humanity, and they have less strength than John and offer less stability or longevity than the choir. So this is a perfect middle ground, Avery asked. It is a good middle ground. The other side of it is that these two may be candidates strictly because they are where the Carmine Beast died. You've noticed the blood, the staining, and how the effects of her death are all concentrated here. All of us here may have more of a claim to that seat because we are touched with her blood. Could someone intercept it and use that to claim the seat? Lucy asked. I do not think that someone could easily survive the competition that came immediately after. Not unless they were strong. Like the choir strong? Lucy asked. Potentially. The hungry choir appears tomorrow night, Verona said. We were thinking of trying to intercept it. Do you have protection? We have John and some basic symbols and runes we can use as a power source. It is scheduled to appear in Kennet next. If you open your ears like you opened your eyes to the sight, you should hear the song. You can follow it to the epicenter. 
Epicenter is an ominous word, Lucy said. It should be. Do not participate. Stay quiet. Observe. And think hard before interfering. Avery spoke up. Charles said an other that is acting on instinct may be able to harm us in defiance of the deal we made on awakening. Yes, the choir is a pattern, a ritual. If you get caught up in it, it has to follow through on its own rules. That is its instincts. Be careful. Can we trust you? Lucy asked. About the choir? About anything? That is up to each of you. Lucille, Verona, Avery. Should we trust you? Lucy pressed. Based on the facts as you have them now, no. In the bigger picture, I would hope. Yes, you should trust me. Why are you making this hard? Avery asked. Because what is happening is hard. And it is going to get harder. We are far from the point where someone forces someone to take the seat. And my suspicion is you need to find your own ways there. What are you? Verona asked. The question cut through the conversation, the tone of it disconnected from everything else. What do you think I am? Miss asked. No straight answers, huh? Lucy asked. Miss was silent. Are you a complex spirit? Verona guessed. Stable? No, I wish I could be. Spirits can find hollows and homes. They can break apart into constituent elements or draw in other things. I am what I am. Boogeyman? Lucy asked, whatever that is. No, I'm not of the abyss. You can recognize others of that type by the darkness that stains them. Like the darkness I see in my sight? Lucy asked. Very possible. Avery drew in a deep breath. Again, she had the feeling that everyone present was fixated on her. Why do I feel like each of us only gets one guess? She asked. You can guess as many times as you like. But as Toadswallow explained to you last night, third time makes a charm. They make things more meaningful. Can I save my question for later then? You can. It won't be as effective as three guesses happening in a timely manner. But if you're right, then... Then what? Lucy asked. Then I suspect you get a better answer. The things flowing into and out of the occasion in a more satisfying way. I'll save it until I understand things more. Why don't you just tell us, miss? Lucy asked. Because, Lucille, I am afraid I don't trust you three. You picked us, Avery said. In this world, knowledge is power. To give you knowledge of what I am, with just a bit more research, is to give you an idea of how to bind me, to enslave me. All around the world, humans are fathoming the unfathomable. They are riddling us out and raveling us in bindings, unraveling us into our constituent elements, or riddling us with holes by way of blade and bullet. Others in Kennet are, for the most part, fair and friendly. Even the choir? Lucy asked. Technically, it is fair. It offers a deal, and people can take the deal. Arguably, it is not part of Kennet, but over a large area that includes Kennet. Controversially, it isn't something we could easily handle in the first place. We manage it, contain the damage. It pulls most of its targets from outside of Kennet. Kennet acts as a regular staging ground while the other stages change. Can you give us more specifics how it works? Verona asked. No, Miss said. 
because I am uniquely and unfortunately prone to being tangled up in traps such as that. I have avoided particular knowledge and acted from a distance when I must act. I'd explain more, but... But you don't trust us, Lucy stated. I'm sorry. We swore we wouldn't be a threat to you unless you deserved it, Avery said. And acting with intent, you shouldn't be. Acting with instinct, or if you take leaves of your senses, or find yourself vulnerable at the disposal of other greater practitioners, you're a danger. The blade cuts both ways. Lucy looked miffed. She checked her phone, then looked back towards the school. We should be heading back. We'll get in trouble if we are live late. Sucks. I had so many more questions. I should be available. That reminds me. That reminds me. Where have you been the last few days? Lucy asked. You were hovering a lot prior to our awakening. Then you were gone. Giving you space, I have occupied myself keeping outside practitioners at bay. Are they something we need to worry about? Run asked. I don't know, but speaking of worry, my gifts and teachings, I should give them to you now, before tomorrow, and so you have more time to get acquainted with them. Are they something we can use against the choir? Rona asked. There is no effective against the choir. Observe, don't oppose. It won't be worth it. Verona, if you would approach, my gift is tailored to your interest. Verona took a hesitant step forward, then walked around the trees. She passed around the left of it and emerged at the right, and had a paper in her hand. There was no indication she had seen or interacted with Miss. The black feather stuck out of the paper. The first part of my gift to you is unfortunately aimed at the long term, Miss said. All of you girls will benefit. There is a small school for practitioners to the east. It takes time to get there. It takes time to return. When and if you know more about what you want to do, you can go there. Attend by loopholes suggested there. Or else you may need to go there to field outsiders if they start getting too close. Any families or individuals in the area will have some point of contact there. If you ask it, they'll teach you specifics about binding and defeating others, depending on what other you're needing to deal with. Why can't we go now? It takes time, Lucy asked. You may need to wait until summer, Miss said, to have the time needed. What's the feather? A quill pen. It lets you pick up written words and put them down. I thought it suited you. I would be careful about moving words in or out of practices, at least until you have power, protection, and a solid understanding of what exactly you're doing. Hmm, Verona made a sound. Cool. Avery. Avery approached Miss, who is now at a different tree. She saw a slice of Miss's silhouette and chased it around the tree before finding herself face to face with the others. Verona's gift is given with an eye to the long term with a second component that will take time to master. Yours is not so far away, but it is not something that you can or should do tonight or tomorrow. She looked at her hand. There were papers there, like she had been holding them all along. She unfolded it. The Forest Ribbon Trail. You wish to travel. This is a place you can go that is far from earthly as you can safely go. It is not easy. It is at the razor's edge between safety and ruin and it may leave you changed. 
Avery skimmed through the instructions. There was a ritual. Capture a wild prey animal that has not shed or tasted blood. Take it unharmed, without drugs, and bring it indoors, bind it in ribbon. She skipped ahead. You must not step off the path. You must not look down. You must not step back. If you do, you will be lost. She skipped further ahead. Dealing with the wolf. Those capital letters in the words lost and wolf were ominous. The very last lines, done right, you will find yourself at the edge of losing your life with the chosen gift in your hand. Done wrong, you will be lost. Much as the loophole I gave Verona is a gift, a gift to all of you, any of you can walk the path, but I think you'll get the most out of it, Avery. You may wish to wait until you're stronger. Walking is not easy. The gifts are very much worth it, and more doors will be opened to you after. Thank you, I think. Lucille. You can call me Lucy. Lucy, at your feet. Lucy knelt and reached into the grass and picked up a ring. It looked awkward, with a long, narrow bit built into it. What is it? A gift for the now, for your protection. Wear the ring, draw it and your hand along any object. You'll have a weapon at hand. Be aware this costs something. And if you do not have a source of power at hand, it will drink a bit of Kenneth others, and a great deal of you. Of myself? Less of yourself and more of your blood, your personal power, your strength. So I'll have a weapon, and I'll be in too bad of a shape to fight. That is a risk. Okay, Lucy said. We can call you again, if we have questions, when we have the rest of tonight and tomorrow to prepare, I think. You can call me any time. I can't guarantee that I'll answer, but I will try. Thanks, then. I guess, Lucy said. She looked at Avery and Verona. Avery gave her a nod. They started to walk back to school. Lucy checked her phone and made a face, before picking up her pace. Other kids were already filing back, and 90% of them were a lot closer to school. I want more interviews like that, Verona said. Gifts and a lot of things to look forward to. Weird gifts, Avery looked down at the papers before folding them up into a square and putting them in her back pocket. This is weird, Verona answered. You're not wrong, Lucy said, but I have to wonder. She trailed off. She didn't pick up the thought immediately. Wonder what? Avery asked. Lucy looked back, as if to check Miss wasn't listening in. They were making their way uphill, and there weren't even any stones or bushes for goblins to hide in. I can't say for sure. If I should really be happy or concerned about my gift, Lucy said. Concern? Verona asked. My first feeling is that this is great. Just what I wanted. Protection, power, has a bit of a drawback, but... Fine. Maybe that's most magic items and trinkets. What's your second feeling? Verona asked. That after last night, I wasn't so keen I wanted to go this route with violence and weapons. And if Miss is keeping track enough of things to know exactly what Toadswalla taught us, is it impossible that she knows I wasn't keen? A bit of a monkey's paw, Verona asked. A gift that seems neat. A gift that seems neat that you're not likely to make use of? Well, I mean... Lucy looked again to check for eavesdroppers. What if she gave me something with the full expectation I'd use it, right after she told us we shouldn't oppose the choir? A trap? Avery asked. A warning, with full expectation we'd ignore it? Verona added. I don't know, Lucy said. How do you feel about your things? 
A really great first feeling. School for practitioners? Beretta asked. Could be neat. Could be necessary, Lucy added. Could be, but when you reframe it as, hooray, summer school. Maybe, Lucy said. The pen is neat, at least. Lucy nodded. If it isn't another trap, then crap, that's the warning bell. Run! I'm all out of running after gym class, Verona complained. You barely ran, Avery said. Verona laughed as about as much as she complained, but she did pick up the pace. And me, Avery thought. My gift from Miss is a way to go to someplace magical, mystical place with a threat or promise that I'd be changed afterwards. And she gives it to me right after my sight went weird and I was terrified of being changed irrevocably. We'll need to plan and prepare, Lucy said as they reached the side of the door of the school. We've got tomorrow to get ready, and maybe we can see if we can dig up some of the roots or figure out what the rules are. Get geared up, maybe prepare some diagrams. You're speaking my language, Verona said, elbowing her friend. Ha ha, I'm speaking English, you dunce. We get prepped, we get things squared away, and then we meet the choir. I'm betting none of those things are as easy as they sound. And hopefully, Avery said, quietly, as Lucy held the door open for her and Verona. We won't be missing any body parts afterwards like the teenager with the sunglasses was.